or 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 Docky, whatever your name is, come grab my bag. What it is, what it do, this is Rambling, your weekly Rams podcast that gives you insight of the team and news around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from Los Angeles, California. I hope everyone is staying safe, staying healthy. I'm in my living room. The Rams, they're in their living rooms, just as they wrapped up their first week of virtual off-season programming to help me talk about everything going on, Rams. I welcome in a former NFL QB. You can catch him all over ESPN as a football analyst. Rams fans may remember him because in 2017, he was with the team during preseason. Uh, he's winning at quarantine life, guys. This man has cracked an egg on his head, caught marshmallows in his mouth, and became a science project. Dan Orlowski, thank you. Welcome to the past. <laughs> that intro was absolutely fantastic. So uh, I'm glad you've saw, seen all the videos. One, mainly the prank that was done recently on me by my wife and uh, – I've never been more proud to be introduced anywhere. So it's good to be with you. Hey, the, the, so it's, it's funny. If you go on his Instagram page, um, his wife has been doing You guys have been having fun at quarantine. I think your kids are really winning through all of this because they're watching you do all these things. But the, the cracking the eggs was one thing, but her throwing marshmallows at your mouth and then throwing an actual egg and just you're like, what? You, she, you thought like, you were going to uh, catch a soft thing, and then it was an egg being thrown at you. You could tell, like, we're certainly immature people. Um, and then, like, I feel like she's just trying to see how close she can get to the line without, like, not only crossing over the line, but also doing something that will make me look like an absolute moron, even more so on television at some point, whether it's a black eye or a cut on my face or a tooth missing or something. That's the key to a loving marriage. So I'm yeah, happy yeah. to see that. Um, you're also, I'm loving the t-shirt you're rocking. He's rocking a, J, a JG16, I believe. So, um, yeah. Dan, as a, I mean, you're a huge Jared Goff fan, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, Jared, listen, I, Jared's a friend, first and foremost. Uh, and I've been outspoken about that. And I think Jared will be a friend for a long time. You know, the way we interacted, even though it wasn't, you know, an extended period of time, I gained a lot of respect for him. And then the way he interacted with my family, mainly my kids. Um, you know, that never goes away. He was he was just a really, really good dude. And so he actually reached out, I don't know, last year sometime and said, hey, I've got this, you know, these shirts coming out. Do you want some? And of course, I made fun of him for it. Like, here we go, dude. Get, and he's like, no, honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of just something small, you know, and, and a kind of a charity type thing and whatnot. So he's actually said, my kids love wearing it. I'm not going to lie. The shirts are outstanding. Like, I like kind of a little bit more of an athletic fitting shirt that's a little bit firmer and and uh so the, the feel of it is great and uh i figured why not rock one since i'm coming on the rams podcast well i appreciate that jared is a sneaky i think he's like top uncle of the year because he's so good with andrew whitworth's kids and yeah. so to hear him like you say oh yeah it was great with my kids i'm like that is like uncle of the year and nobody knows it. Like, yeah, we just have yeah, he's, quarterback. He's a good kid. He's a really good dude. And that, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I don't, those, are, those are moments or things that just don't go away. They kind of have that long lasting effect on you and whatnot. And so, uh, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good dude. And we've got a really good schedule this year for the Rams as we transition. Um, so I have some of the, just the, the schedule out here. Um, we know our opponents. so. 
outside of the NFC West, because we'll get to them, just the, the Rams with their new stadium at SoFi, uh, they have some crazy opponents. So we've got the Chicago Bears, Giants, Cowboys, Patriots, and Jets at home. And then we have um, the Eagles, Redskins, Dolphins, Bills, and Bucks away. Just mm. what do you think is going to be, oh, my gosh, got to watch that game. And I know you're going to say the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, obviously the Bucks will be up there. You know, uh, the Patriots will be certainly into the conversation just because they're the Patriots. Um, you know, I, I, I could see Philadelphia being another really strong team, Dallas being another really strong team. Um, so, like, Buffalo, I mean, there's there's some legit games with some young quarterbacks, you know, some really it, – it's almost – did you say New Orleans as well as New Orleans in there? As we well? don't have New Orleans this year. Okay. We, we need a break from New Orleans. Yeah, like four years <laughs> in a got, row. You've got, the, you've got the greatest of all time in Brady, but then you have like five or six really good young up-and-coming quarterbacks with Jones and Darnold and Allen and Dak and Wentz. And obviously you could throw in Trubisky and what happens with him this year type of thing, but there's some really good young quarterbacks which is massive for the NFL fans and obviously the Rams fans. When, if we're, I assume most um, the NFC South now with the Buccaneers and Tom Brady and Gronk and that whole thing, and they're all friends. Um, do we then not focus on the Patriots because they still have the best player in the NFL with Bill Belichick? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've been relatively outspoken. I, I expect the Patriots to have a very steep decline. Um, mm-hmm. And I know they were 12 and four last year, but they were three and three against teams that were 500 or above, you know, so they, they weren't playing big time football against good football teams last year. Two of those wins came against Buffalo in kind of single digit games. They were 0 and four against the cream of the crop when it comes to the AFC, Tennessee, Baltimore, Houston, and Kansas City. And, you know, everyone continues to go, that was the number one defense in football last year. That's fair but they also lost four starters off that defense in the offseason this year. And then breaking in the new quarterback and, and really didn't add anything on the skill position-wise. So what what does Jared Stidham become? So, you know, they've got the hardest schedule in football as well this year. So uh, there's a lot of things working against New England, in my opinion. And so as great as Bill Belichick is, and I don't expect him to go 1-15, sure. but I think they're going to – I, I expect them to struggle to make the playoffs. I've said this. If Belichick takes this team to the playoffs, it will be one of his great coaching performances. It would be insane. And then I don't knock him if he does, right? Like, right. it's like, yeah. man. I'll eat okay. my words. <laughs> um, it will be it, – it'll be tough, I think, for Rams fans because, you know, you go they, – they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and now, you know, it's like, okay, this is that revenge game that's like, okay, we're going to get it, but we're not really facing – the same team so it's a completely different that's why I'm like maybe maybe everyone's more excited for that Buccaneers game um against yeah and a lot of it you know a lot of it depends on obviously how the team is trending throughout the season right you know like who knows maybe <laughs> New England and the Rams are eight and two when they play I have no yeah. idea you know and like and then it's obviously obviously it does feel more of that revenge game but if you end up playing Tampa and both those teams both the Rams and Tampa are, are playing really well, then that becomes the marquee game. So it all depends on, like, how your team is playing, where you're standing. Obviously, with the new playoff system and the, the seedings and seven teams, and, like, 
the one seed is enormous, enormous. And so, um, you know, a lot of that just depends on the pulse of the football team throughout the season. You said it, standing. And that NFC West is just such a glorious division to be in. Um, they just, all the teams just keep getting better. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to do with this division. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's wild because probably right around the back end of my career, so I'm talking like 2015, 16, 17 world, the West was kind of a joke. Not a joke, but like it was it was thought of as an inferior division. You know, and then in really like a 24-month span, it flipped. You know, and, and Seattle has rebuilt after the Legion of Boom in San Francisco ever since they got Kyle and John Lynch has. And, and really, you know, people don't talk about San Francisco. San Francisco didn't tank on purpose. They just had all those early draft picks and they hit on all of them. And they, right. hit, on, they hit on all of them. And so when you do that, your team flips real quickly. And so San Francisco somehow got I, – they're a better football team than they were last year. They're going to yeah. be a more – difficult team to play against than they were last year and the Rams I I'm not just saying this because I've been I'm on your, your podcast right now mm-hmm. I have said this for three weeks now on national television I think Sean will flip it faster than people think I think yeah. people are expecting you know kind of a, a little bit more of a ravine you know in a valley and I think Sean is going to flatten the curve so to speak you mm-hmm. know and and um and Seattle is Scott Russell and Arizona is going to be as fun to watch and as difficult to play against, at least defensively, as anyone in the NFL with Kyler and the addition of Hop. So, yeah, it's a division that you – good luck. You know, whoever stays healthy has the best chance to win it. It's just like a pat in the bag, like go do your thing. I think this is a perfect time for Sean McVay if you think about – um, sort of what he is as a savant of an offensive mind and to take this whole team. Now he's got an OC, he's got a new DC and he's like, okay, I am home by myself all the time. I don't have kids to take care of. All I need to do is focus on football, which is all he really wants to do anyway. So I think this is a perfect time to have him rebuild. He's got a new running back in Cam Akers. He's got a new uh, wide receiver with Van Jefferson. I think this is like a perfect time for Sean McVay to just go into his hole and start fixing and doing all sorts of crazy things on offense. So I'm very yeah, excited. Sean's certainly going to be in the lab a bunch this offseason. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, I don't expect Sean to all of a sudden change his offense, but it's, it's how many different, I always, I always kind of use this analogy and maybe some people have heard me talk about it before, but it, every guy that I know owns a Navy suit. And um, depending, you could take, guys that look very similar and stack them up next to each other. And one guy could wear the Navy suit that has the boring black shoes and the Navy suit and a boring, boring black belt. And here's my Navy suit with a white shirt and a red tie. And that's it. And then you could take a dude right next to him. And he's going to have some super clean shoes on. and He's got eight different pairs of shoes. And then he changes his socks all the time. And the belt changes all the time. And the shirt color changes all the time. And then the tie changes all the time. The pocket square. So, Although they are the same suit, you can make them look super different all the time. And I think that's what Sean will do this offseason, is she is still going to run the foundational aspects of their offense. At that 11 personnel. Yeah, and and he'll change the pocket square, and he'll change the shirt (laughs) and the shoes and whatnot to make it all look sexier or different or more unique or different to a defense. And so, um, you know, like I said, I don't think he's going to change who they are, 
he's just going to constantly present it differently. I like that. So, all right, you spent the 2017, your 2017 training camp with the Rams. Yeah. Sean McVay, that was his first training camp as a head coach. Did you yeah. know at that point, like, yo, this guy's got something? Uh, well, I I knew three minutes into the first meeting, Jared could tell you the story, but I had known of Sean through my time in the NFL. Like, as I got older, I wasn't really playing that much, so I was really spending pregame talking to coaches and whatnot, and I had coaches on the Redskins staff. I had played with per, per Kyle Shanahan in Houston in 2011, 2010, and I had played with Matt LaFleur, and in, in, so I had known all those no, guys. guys. <laughs> and so we would rap and, and whatnot, and I, I had heard about Sean. And Sean called me in the summer and said, hey, this is what I would like for you to come out here and be a part of Worldwide. Cool. And we sat down in the first meeting, the first offensive meeting, after the team meeting. That's all semantics. But we sat down in the first team meeting, and I sat in the front row, kind of center of the row, and Jared sat two seats over for me. So empty seat is to my right. And Sean started talking. And within three minutes, like 180 seconds, I leaned over to Jared and I said, because this was coming after the 17th season. When they Jared's were. Year. Yeah. The 16th season, is that right? Yes. Yeah, where they did so not win. This had come after, you know, Jared's, you know, rookie year and Jared's all things and all that stuff. And I leaned over to Jared and I said, dude, you're going to be just fine. Trust me. This <laughs> and um, it was just the way that. He was able to communicate what he was trying to say and the engaging that he had with it. And he was able to talk football on both sides of the ball that actually made sense. It wasn't like, hey, you know, very, it wasn't surface level stuff. And I just told Jared, you're going to be fine. This, this guy is outstanding. I love that. Oh, that yeah. makes me excited. Um, actually, that makes me happy. And that is the next segment. So what makes me happy? So yesterday, this week, um, I, I've been communicating with the guys as much as possible on the team. And Jalen Ramsey in particular, he decided to post something on his Instagram story. He said he was going to st- he's going to be working on himself this offseason, including giving up cursing. No more cussing for this man. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I said, that's, um, why are you doing that? He's like, you know, I just got to stop cussing. He's got two little girls, like his great dad, um, always posts them on Instagram. But he's going to give up cussing. And so I was like, ah. I wonder if I could do that. And so then I sat on it, and then I wrote him back like an hour later. I was like, does that include games? And he was like, yeah. That's <laughs> like, you're going to curse at all during a game? You're one of the like most annoying smack talkers of all time, trash talkers on the yeah. field, and you're not going to curse at all. He goes, no, I will not curse during a game. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on it. Jalen Ramsey, when you see that man, he goes, no, there's more tact. I'm a little more clever than just throwing out curse words. Like when he is trash talking on the field, he's. I respect that. Um, (laughs) Again, something that Jared could probably confirm with you. I also don't cuss. Um, Ah, Probably almost 15 years ago now, like, all right, I'm going to cut this out of my life. And I was kind of changing my life and and going through like my, my faith journey. So that was a massive part of it. You know, and I said, I can't say this one thing about God, but then also do this other thing. And then also I, I had kids. We, my, my wife and I started having kids. And I said, all right, I'm, I just want to get rid of this. And yeah. So I, I don't either. Now, I have not been perfect over the last 15 years. I have cussed in the last 15 years. Um, it's a little bit easier than you think, to be honest with you. 
I don't you put it in the front of your head. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't I don't actually think Jalen will struggle with it. Like because when I got like competitive, it that was never when I got tempted by it or like wanted it's more like when I got frustrated at my kids to be honest with you is what I want to uh and and like I've said I've lost that battle a couple times over the years but uh I respect the heck out of it and when you're as good as he is um you're often giving the middle finger and cussing the players by your play rather than having to say it to them uh and but also at the same time I would imagine Hopkins and him will have some battle of words. Cannot wait for yeah, that. I will imagine that he he will. Uh, I'd like to have him mic'd up for those games if, if we can get that done. Rams organization. Yeah, putting it out into on. the universe here, please. Yeah, I think hold to that. That'll be great. Um, some quick news around the NFL. So Tua Tagovailoa, he's going to be wearing number one for the Dolphins. So it'll be the first time uh, in, in franchise history that a QB is going to wear number one. Obviously, couldn't wear number thirteen because that was Marino's number. In your opinion, you are a QB. What is the best number for a QB to wear? Seven. Seven. <laughs> Seven. Seven. It's the only one that looks right. Uh, I grew up. I grew up. Elway was my favorite player growing up. Now I was a Favre fan and a Marino and Peyton fan, but. I don't like double digits on quarterbacks. I like. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> and he's wearing a Jared Goff t-shirt. <laughs> when I when I see quarterbacks in double digits, I'm like, ugh. And I'll, when they ball out, it obviously makes them look a little bit better. But I seven is just so clean um, and so kind of straight lined and whatnot. That's my favorite one. That's fair. Um, if you are not familiar, uh, those listening to the podcast, with the amazing piece ESPN did on Alex Smith's Road to Recovery, I highly recommend watching it. For those unaware, the Washington's QB broke his leg, ended up getting life-threatening infection, and now he's seemingly recovered and he's training. Now he's open to returning to the NFL. Dan, what are your thoughts on Alex Smith if he returns to playing for Washington? Uh, the amount of respect that I have for Alex Smith and admiration, I can't category. I just can't put it into words. I actually saw a video this morning of him doing quarterback drills, like he was doing yes. drops and throwing, and I, with this, you know, this thing on his right leg. You know, I, true story. Alex and I came out the same year, with the same year as Aaron Rodgers. So 2005, Alex was the number one pick in the draft, and I hated Alex without ever knowing. Because I was like, dude, this dude from Utah. He threw a bunch of shovel passes. He was the number one pick, this and that. And I didn't know Alex. And and then I got to know Alex throughout our careers. And I'm like, man, he's just a good guy. Just a good guy. Just a good guy. And I started to, like, grow up and not be corny and, and, and got rid of, obviously, like that, you know, the draft envy, I want to call it. And as we got older, started to just respect him and respect him because he became such a good, strong, sound, solid player. But when I saw what has transpired over the last, I don't know, 18 months and then, you know, the E60 piece last week, uh, he's everything that I kind of hope that I am. Tough and confident and courageous and admirable. And I mean, everything that I'm like, I'm hoping to be for my friends and family and children. Alex is literally living it out on a daily basis. So if he comes back and plays, it would be one of the more remarkable stories. I mean, in my lifetime, when it comes to the sports of, you know, uh, of just overcoming. And uh, I just, to get to where he is right now is is incredible. Yeah. I highly recommend watching the Alex Smith piece that ESPN did recently. 
It yeah. is so good. You're not, you can't help but cheer for that guy and hope yeah. that he makes it back just because you want to see such a good story. Amazing respect for his wife, either. As, uh, his wife his rock, his right rock. there hanging out, yeah, the whole time. Uh, Matt, you know what time it is? Yeah, it just feels weird to go from something super inspirational to this, but anyways. <laughs> so this is Serena's socially distant social segment. Ben works segment. in TV. He knows bad transitions. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll just, we'll just star wipe it to the next segment. Okay, here we go. So what's been uh, trending quite a bit on Twitter this week is these uh, murder hornets I'm sure you've heard of um, that have made their way into the U.S., which sounds like it would be awful in real life, but an awesome team mascot name. So if you could pick any professional or minor league sports team's mascot and bring them to life to take on the Murder Hornets in a fight to the death, who would it be? Oh, wow. That's an amazing question. Um, uh, I'm going to help you out here because I, um, I talked about this with Matt before the podcast. I thought about this very briefly, but um, the, the, there's a minor league baseball team called the Flying Chancletas. And um, I just thought, as a Puerto Rican Colombian, you're never getting away from a chancleta flying at you. Like, usually, like, your abuela or someone's really angry at you, and they throw the slipper at you. And it doesn't matter where you run. Like, you could go and dive under a bed, and the chancleta finds you. And you're like, man, what a crazy. So I would hope that if I ever saw one of these flying hornets near me, I would have the biggest <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go with that one pretty good. It would got to be a, a, a minor league team somewhere called, I would imagine, like an anteater or armadillo that's like <laughs> tough skin, but like this long tongue that just go, can we get like deadly frogs or something that can just snatch these murder hornets up or something like that? And I got you right like, here because it's my pick. The Braves <laughs> Class A affiliate, the Florida Fire Frogs. Yeah. There we go. I'm a fire frog fan. Agile, reflexes, fire, sticky tongue, and can probably go underwater. You're safe. Boom. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're describing me in many ways as well, too. (laughs) So um, I'm with the fire frog. Take on all these uh, murder hornets. No problem, Dan. I actually Uh, want to see Nat Geo do a face-to-face, like, bears, lions. And then they just do a show based on all of the like team names. I would be all, I'd be like, yo, like uh, Matt was talking about. There's a comedian that does this. Yeah, shout out to Daniel Tosh. Searching for content. Go. It would be amazing. Like I would want to see a bear fight a lot. Especially now that we don't have like sports going on, that would just be the perfect time killer. That's what I'm saying. Content. Content reigns supreme. We're gonna wrap this up with a say what. this is a new series um, that the, the Rams are doing. It's called Inside the Draft, behind the scenes of how Les Need and the Brain Trust work in building this Rams roster. And um, say what, I'm taking a quote from Billy Johnson, one of our scouts, who was speaking to Les Need about one of our new draft picks, Terrell Lewis from Alabama, saying his nickname in college, Terrell Lewis's nickname at, at Alabama was Avatar. He's sort of like plug in Madden, create your best kind of player and then let him go. And he's going to do everything possible. Dan, what was your nickname in college? Give me, you had to have some great nickname coming in. Yeah. My nickname was Docky. Docky. Yeah. So this is why my last name is obviously Orlovsky, not an easy name to say. And so I remember my freshman year of college, 
I'm starting to become like the team starting quarterback, whatever, whatever. And the older guys didn't care, like they didn't care about me. I was a freshman or whatever. And so like they some dude got off the plane and was like, Hey, or 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 Do- or Docky, whatever your name is, come grab my bag. And I was like, Okay. And like the or Docky kind of took a life of its own, took on a life of its own. Everyone was calling me Ordaki because they didn't know my last name was actually Orlovsky. And then it just kind of got shrunk down to Docky. And so a bunch of dudes in college, just all my boys in college called me Docky. Docky. Well, there you have it. That's That's the answer. That's that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, That's it. We're going to wrap it up right there with Docky. Another episode of Rambling in the Books. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as we'll be bringing you more episodes throughout the offseason. And Ram fans, don't forget... If you want more all things Rams, we've got another official official Rams podcast led by J.B. Long called Rams Revealed. He had a legend Jack Youngblood on this week who will probably beat a murder hornet also. I'm going to give that one to okay. Jack Youngblood. Um, don't want to miss that. Until then, stay safe and healthy, my friends. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you.